Well, good morning. Welcome to Zion Lutheran Church on this first Sunday of Advent. A few things to share with you before we begin our worship. Uh, first, a reminder that choir will practice following the service. So if you're participating or interested in participating, please stay after the service for practice. Uh, you will also notice in your bulletins that uh, Rose will be working this week on getting envelopes for offerings. So if you have not gotten envelopes in the past and would like to have envelopes, please talk to her so we make sure that that you get them. Uh, also, thank you to everyone who participated in the canned food drive over the last several weeks. So we took it to the food pantry at County Line on Monday, and they were very pleased to have it, and they will give it to needy families. Um, and so they thank you all for, for helping and for blessing them. Also a reminder, we will decorate the church next Sunday at 4 p.m. You are absolutely invited. Uh, feel free to bring snacks or food to share, but that's not at all a requirement. Um, come help, we'll have fun, uh, and we'll, we'll get the job done. Uh, also, I want to invite you to our Wednesday night Advent services starting this Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. Uh, these services will be kind of informal and contemplative uh, and set up so you can come to one, come to all three, however your schedule fits. But I know this is a busy and chaotic time of year for most of us. Uh, so I wanted to make sure that you had the time and space um, to really have some quiet time to hear God's word and some time for reflection in this season. So you're invited. Again, we start this Wednesday and then the subsequent two Wednesdays. Uh, and finally, um, asking for prayers for the Staley family. Uh, Mason Staley died in a car accident Friday evening. Um, only 34 years old, I believe. So pray for them and in their grief. Are there other announcements or other concerns? Yeah, Marcia. We need to pray for the Zeller family. Okay, pray for the Zeller family. All right, if there are no other requests, then I'll invite you to take a few moments to quiet your hearts and minds as we prepare for worship and listen to the prelude.
congregation, I invite you to stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for you. And for his sake, God forgives you all your sins. To those who believe in Jesus Christ, he gives the power to become the children of God and bestows on them the Holy Spirit. Amen.
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Let us pray. Stir up your power, Lord Christ, and come. By your merciful protection, alert us to the threatening dangers of our sins, and redeem us for your life of justice, for you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. A reading from Jeremiah. The days are surely coming, says the Lord when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which it will be called the Lord is our righteousness. The word of the Lord. Be to God. We'll read Psalm 25 responsively. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Let none who look to you be put to shame. Rather, let those be put to shame who are treacherous. Show me your ways, Lord, and teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. In you I have trusted all the day long. Remember, O Lord, your compassion and love, for they are from everlasting. 
Remember not the sins of my youth and my transgressions. Remember me according to your steadfast love, and for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. You lead the lowly in justice and teach the lowly your way. Our second reading is from 1 Thessalonians. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy that we feel before our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you face to face and restore whatever is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, just as we abound in love for you. And may he so strengthen your hearts in holiness that you may be blameless before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. The word of the Lord. Gospel according to St. Luke. Jesus said, There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on the earth distress among nations confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear, foreboding of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to take place, Stand up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Then he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Be on guard, so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life, and that day does not catch you unexpectedly like a trap, for it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man. The Gospel of the Lord. I invite you to be seated. Children, I invite you to come forward. All right, so I'm going to stand up here so you can follow along with me if you stand back. There you go. All right, so in church here, whenever we get a new piece of furniture out for a season, it's important. So I want to draw attention to it. So We're in a new season in the church here. 
right? What season are we in? Advent, yeah. Do you have any idea what does the word Advent mean? It's close. It's connected to that, right? Advent means arrival or coming, right? Um, so whose arrival are we waiting for? Jesus, right? And so we're waiting the arrival of Jesus at Christmas, right? But Advent also has another meaning, right? It means arrival. And as we await for the arrival of baby Jesus at Christmas, as Christians, we're also waiting for Jesus to come again at the end of time. Jesus promises that he's going to come and bring us all together as one people and to reign in his kingdom forever and ever. And so we're waiting for his arrival. So as we wait for Christmas, we await for a second coming too. All right, so as church here, we have kind of a recent tradition of setting up an Advent wreath. And it's part of this time of preparing for the arrival. And so this these candles kind of help us do that. Uh, what do you notice about the candles? How many are there? Five, right? So there's one in the middle, right? When do you think we light the one in the middle? Christmas Eve, yeah, Christmas, right? Uh, what about the ones on the outside? Yeah, the weeks before Christmas, right? So they mark down each Sunday in Advent before Christmas, right? Uh, and so each Sunday kind of has its own theme, right? It has its own focus on how should we prepare for Jesus' arrival, right? So we have one written because this is the first Sunday, right? So the next one will be this one. And then we're going to light a pink one on the third Sunday. Uh, and believe it or not, that's not an accident, right? They didn't run out of purple candles. It really is supposed to be pink. Or technically it's rose, but uh, it's a rose-colored, pink-colored, and it matches with the themes. Okay, so our theme for this Sunday is going to be stay awake, be alert, right? Why are we staying awake? Why are we being alert? Yeah, because Christ is going to arrive, right? And so we want to be awake. And that's what Jesus says in our gospel. He says, be awake, because you don't know when it's coming. So be awake, be prepared. So that's our first theme. And each Sunday, we'll have a bit of a different theme to go along with it. So Advent, though, is about preparation. Christ is coming, and so we want to be prepared. All right, let's pray. Lord, prepare us for your arrival. And teach us to look in faith. Expecting that you will be with us. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, as you just heard, today we begin our journey through the church calendar, the liturgical cycle, and we begin this journey with the season of Advent. And as you just heard, Advent simply means arrival or coming or presence. But that word arrival, right, arrival is what the whole church year is about. The Son of God is broken into history, 
He has now redefined how we understand all of human history, how we understand ourselves. He has arrived to save humanity, to save us, to save all creation from the consequences of sin. His arrival has made all the difference. Whether that's Christmas, Epiphany, Ash Wednesday, Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, Easter Sunday, Ascension, Pentecost, Reformation, All Saints Day, each Sunday in the cycle centers around God's arrival for us. So these Sundays in Advent, though, they're not understood as kind of a pre-Christmas or a little Christmas celebration. And don't get me wrong, I, along with you and the rest of the world, will absolutely engage in all the Christmas festivities that happen in December. Believe it or not, in my house, there's already Christmas music playing, there's a tree up, there are lights up, decorations up, and don't feel guilty about that. But on these Sunday mornings in this sanctuary, something else is happening. In Advent, we're called to look inward at our hearts. In looking inward, we're called to ask, am I ready? Am I prepared for the arrival of Jesus? Am I truly looking forward to the coming of Christ in Bethlehem? Am I looking forward to his coming at the end of the age? Am I looking forward to his coming in this very church through the gifts of word and sacrament? And so as Lutherans, we understand that Advent has all of those deep layers of meaning. We look forward to the arrival of Christ at Christmas, at the end of time, and presently even in the sacrament. And so Christians then, we're always looking forward to the arrival of Christ. We live our lives as Advent people. And because we're always looking forward to that arrival, our life as Christians is always one of preparation. Whether that arrival is Christmas, at the sacrament, or at the end of times, we are preparing. In our gospel this morning, Jesus tells the disciples to be on guard and to be alert. In verse 34, Christ says, Be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life, and that day does not catch you unexpectedly like a trap. And in verse 36, he says, Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Right? Christ tells us to prepare, to be alert. And he even in this text gives us three things to avoid in order to be alert. He says to avoid dissipation, drunkenness, and the worries of life. And these three things, I think we can take them both literally and spiritually. So for example, in English, to be dissipated is to lose your moral grounding. It's to be self-indulgent and wasteful. But the Greek word here is much, much more specific. The Greek word Jesus uses here that gets translated dissipated literally means to be hung over. I think Bible translators are just too polite to put hung over in the scriptures. But the word shows up over and over in Greek medical literature to describe the illness that follows participating in a drinking party. Right? And Jesus' point is you want to avoid that kind of state because that kind of state kills your motivation to be alert. If you've purposely made yourself feel sick, given yourself a headache, you're exhausted and dehydrated, but you don't want to go to work, right? Even if you enjoyed the night before. So Christ is saying, 
you want to avoid putting yourself in a state that demotivates you. Right? We want to avoid purposely making ourselves sick. Because in such a state, we don't desire to pray. We don't desire to be alert to the temptations of this world. Spiritually, then, we want to avoid participating in activities and circumstances that will distract us and demotivate us. We want to avoid thinking, for instance, staying out late on Saturday night is more important than being at worship on Sunday morning. We want to avoid putting ourselves into spiritual stupors. Christ then says to avoid drunkenness. Again, I think we can see this in both a literal and spiritual way. Of course, when you're drunk, you lose your full grip on your sense of reality. Right? Being drunk is to try to find a sort of alternate state to help you forget yourself. You cannot be alert and prepared if you're drunk. But to be spiritually drunk is to become consumed with the pleasures of this world so that you're no longer mindful and alert to the presence of God. To be spiritually drunk is to pursue the things of this world so that the world becomes about yourself. It is to find that which will distract you from the most important questions in your life. It is to become numb. And that's what Jesus is really warning us about, isn't it? Whether you're drunk or hungover, you are numb to the expectations of his arrival. People drink in excess to numb something. Whether they're numbing physical pain, emotional trauma, the stresses of this world, they seek to be taken out of these troubles. But in becoming numb, we too become disconnected from the truth around us. And so there's the literal warning here. You must avoid abusing alcohol to make yourself numb in this world. But you also have to avoid the things that will make you spiritually numb. And these are too many to list, but in our society, sex and money and achievement, substance abuse and entertainment, these are all things that people abuse to become numb to themselves and numb to the world. We can also numb ourselves with the routines of life. Whereas Christ says in verse 34, the worries of this life. We can get to a spiritual state where we wake up, get dressed, go to work, come home, eat dinner, go to bed, and repeat. And we can fall into the trap where we think that's all life is. We can begin to think that life is just the same routine lived over and over, and then we spend little time in prayer, little time in worship, little time discovering the presence of God in our lives. And that's how many people live. Right? With many people, you can begin to speak of spiritual things, talk about the gospel with people, but as soon as you do, ego sets in, E-G-O, their eyes will just glaze over. When you talk of spiritual things, when you talk about God's activity in this world, for many people, you might as well be speaking Greek. We get so entrenched in the routine of work and consumption that we lose our sense of awe and wonder at God's transcendence. We're even tempted to do it in church. All of us are. Right? Sunday becomes a routine. We come, we sit, we stand, we sing, we confess, we listen, and we forget that this is all more than a routine, that we're confessing something more than just a ritual. We forget that it's right here that Christ promises to meet us. We forget that Christ arrives here and speaks to us and assures us of his love. 
The Catholic priest and theologian Henry Nowlin writes that getting caught up in the worries of this life is like being away from home. He writes, Today, worrying means to be occupied and preoccupied with many things, while at the same time being bored, resentful, depressed, and very lonely. And I'm not trying to say that all of us are worried in such an extreme way all the time, yet there is little doubt in my mind that the experience of being filled yet unfulfilled touches most of us to some degree. In our highly technological and competitive world, it's hard to avoid completely the forces that fill up our inner and outer space and disconnect us from our innermost selves. One of the most notable characteristics of worrying is that it fragments our lives. The many things to do, to think about, to plan for, the many people to remember to visit or talk to, the many causes to attack or defend, all these pull us apart and make us lose our center in God. Worrying causes us to be all over the place, but seldom at home. One way to express the spiritual crisis of our time is to say that most of us have an address, but we cannot be found there. And that's exactly what Christ is getting at in our Gospels. Christ wants us to avoid being numb to his presence. It's easy to fragment our lives into pieces, and to spend our days worrying about all of those little pieces. But Christ wants us to be at home when he arrives, not away losing ourselves in the world's concerns. He wants all the little pieces of our life to have a common goal and a common end, which is to exist for his glory. And having the pieces of our life together in his name and for his purposes, he wants us to be alert, to be on guard. He wants us to live a life of expectation. To the disciples, he says, stand up, raise your heads to the sky. In other words, expect his arrival, expect that he is near. He then later tells his disciples, pray, pray in expectation. Right, and praying faithfully in expectation that Christ is near is the exact opposite of spiritual numbness. The best and simplest definition of prayer is lifting your heart up to the Lord. Luther says that prayer is climbing up into the heart of God. But to lift your heart up to the Lord is to confess his nearness. This is to confess that he listens to you, that he cares about you. To pray is to believe there is more to this world than what we see. There's more to life than the routine, day-to-day -day business we find ourselves engaged in. And so as Christ tells us here, the best preparation for his arrival is prayer. Because prayer acknowledges his nearness. So we return to what we've said about the Christian season of Advent. In the season of Advent, we ask, am I ready? And there's no asking that question aside from answering it in prayer. You are ready when you have committed yourself to prayer. The season of Advent then is simply a time to kick us out of that numbness, to wake us up, and to encourage us to pray, because he is near. In particular, this is a time to help us wake up to the realities of how Christ is coming to us. We confess that he's come to us in a barn in Bethlehem, not a crib in a palace. He's come to us as a boy in Nazareth, and not a wealthy prince in Jerusalem, he has come to us as the king who reigns from a cross. And even now, he comes to us 
and the most common substances of bread and wine. He comes to us through the word of scripture being read and proclaimed. Not in these things that are important to the world, but he comes to us in the things so overlooked. And so we have to be awake. We have to be prepared. How will he come to us at the end of time? Well, we don't know. Can't say exactly. But we know he'll come in his goodness and his holiness. And so we ask ourselves, are we prepared? And we pray that we will be prepared. We pray for eyes to know him, to recognize him, and to love his presence. And so we pray that we, too, will be alert. Amen.
I invite you to stand as we confess our faith using the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray with the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Almighty God, stir up attentiveness to your word in us so that in this season of watchful waiting, we might continue to lean on your promises and might not let this season pass with worry and despair. Teach us to be patient, trusting ourselves to your care. Lord, in your mercy. In the face of suffering, pain, and heartbreak, plant your word of hope in us so that we may remain faithful in all circumstances. Have mercy on all those who suffer for their faith, granting them the hope that is beyond hope. Lord, in your mercy. Place your hand of protection on all those who are homeless and all of those who are struggling to provide housing for their family. Provide for them a warm and safe place in this cold weather. Lord, in your mercy. Give discernment, wisdom, and faithfulness to all ministers of your church that they may faithfully proclaim your word. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, we enjoy the many and rich blessings you have showered upon our nation. Grant to us wise and faithful leaders who will help us to use our bounty for good. And bless our President Joseph and our Governor Richard Michael that they may serve for the good of your people. Establish your peace among the nations and bring to nothing the plots of those who delight in evil, terror, and violence. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, we face illness, pain, suffering, grief, and death, but not without your grace to comfort us or your hope to encourage us. Give grace to each as they have need, that sustained through their afflictions, they might rejoice in your promises. Recalling especially before you this day, Nancy, Maddox, Troy, Donald, Ray, Amanda, Dwight, John, Deb, Marilyn, Rose, Tony, Carolyn, Carolyn, Jane, Derek, and for all of those who grieve the loss of Mason. Lord, in your mercy. Receive our praise for the faithful lives of the saints who have preceded us in death. With all of your saints who followed you patiently in hope and now rest in your goodness, bring us faithfully to the day of our resurrection. Lord, in your mercy. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray trusting in your mercy through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. And now the peace of the Lord be with you always.
Share signs of God's peace with one another. Let us pray. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. And now gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as our Lord taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen. Amen.
in peace. Serve the Lord.